we get to go into John. I, I guess, in case you missed the opening of our service, we're going to have our elders pretty much every week give a little blurb at the front to help us understand what's going on. But I wanted to share from my heart to you kind of what, just as not necessarily even an elder, just as, as a pastor here, and I love you, I want you to have the right attitude and knowledge about what's going on. So three things. One is we want you to be safe. I so want you to be safe. And then the things that we do in our body that we, we ask, I mean, I'm a medical doctor, that's my training. So we are doing all we can to make sure you're safe. That means stay home if you're sick. Watch the online stream, and we're glad you're here if you're doing that with us online. It means certain things that we will do to try and make sure the virus doesn't minimize the risk. The second thing is really important, too. We want to follow the scriptures. The scriptures tell us to be subject to your authorities. So there are things we will do just because the authorities say so that we don't feel like impact the worship. But we want us to have the right heart, which is a heart of humility. Man, I've got a Savior. He's coming. And he's the ruler of all. And he told me, and he told our elder group in Romans 13 and in First Peter 2, to be subject to your authority. So we're doing our best to do that. We want you to, too. Do your best. I, I, that doesn't mean that we're judging each other about what that best is. <laughs> you know it. The third thing that's important to me is the actuality of worship. And the government that we have cannot take away what the worship of God is. So when it does or when there's a, th- a question of that, I'll tell you what, the scriptures win, right? There's uh, uh, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 and many, many other places in the Bible about singing. I, I personally feel strongly we need to sing to the Lord as part of our liturgy. Government doesn't get to say it. And, and, and for us to do that isn't a thumbing our nose, isn't us standing and waving a flag and saying, no, you don't get to. No, it's, it's the humility of us saying we are first and foremost Christians. And we do sing. You, you don't have to. I, there, you never have to sing. But we stand on that as part of what we do. So you'll see that played out over time. And then some of the things we're doing fall under the government thing that we'll do, even though medically it doesn't help anybody. I mean, today, I'm supposed to wear a mask the whole time I'm talking. I can do that for a while, and I'll try, you guys. But it's going to come off at some point because I I get a little lightheaded. And that's not going to make you any more at risk for getting disease. The reason why I have the mask on is that now this new regulation is the speaker's supposed to have one on all the time. But I am 25 feet from the nearest person. If I get COVID, you're not even a contact. So we'll do what the government says or try to, but it won't be because it's preventing anything. It's going to be because we're trying our best to be humble and to do what they say. So I'll do my best. We've ordered these plastic things to put up that they require if I can't wear a mask. They haven't come yet because it's COVID time. There's no such thing as overnight air. So that, that's the way it goes. We'll do our very best and our attitude is humility. But my heart and passion is that you would hear the word of God. This piece of cloth doesn't prevent you from hearing the word of God. So I'm fine. No problem. But if it does, it's coming off. Because the most important thing this morning, and even you're going to see from the text, that you would hear Jesus. So today we're talking in John, we're in John chapter chapter 5, and, and here we want to talk about Jesus speaks, <laughs> not me, and he speaks to you, and I want you to hear it, and it's so amazing. Uh, you know, it's, um, well, 
I don't know about you. I'm, I'm getting old. So one of the most famous videos of the 1970s. Who here was alive in the 70s? Okay, okay, so there's a lot of us. So, so in the 70s, there's, maybe you've even seen it now, there's this amazing video, and it's probably four or five minutes long. Look it up online. It, it's, it's amazing. It's a huge nine-ton sperm whale came and beached up on the beach in Portland. Have you seen this one? It's amazing. So, so we thought, okay, this dead whale, and it started to rot. So they're like, we've got to get rid of this whale. So they took, they, they had this idea. We know what to do. Of course, what would you do? We'll blow it up. So they took 24 cases of dynamite. That's a ton of dynamite. And they took it over and they put it all around the whale carcass, thinking that it would blow up into little tiny bits. And then the, the seagulls and birds could come and eat, eat it, and it would be okay, and it would go away. So all these spectators would come. They backed them up like a quarter mile so they could watch it. And then, and then, you know what happened, right? The spectators a quarter mile away got rained with rotting blubber. The cars in the parking lot are getting ruined because these big hunks of stuff are falling on it. And there's still two-thirds of a carcass sitting on the beach. They thought they knew what they were doing. They didn't know. So that's sometimes my fear. That's a little funny, but it's not so funny to think that that could be our Christianity. I know what to do. I know what it looks like. And then, uh (laughs) uh-oh, is that really it? So one of the most important things is, is that you and I then understand and hear what Jesus said. So because we're really familiar, at least most of us are, because the stories capture our heart. We know the stories of Jesus. I, I, I see him raising Lazarus from the dead or, or I see him like healing the, the, the blind man or, or letting the leper get healed too or the guy down from the, the roof and I know that story. But I, I sometimes in my own heart, I kind of skip over my understanding of what he says. What he says is so important. So today, I want you to hear him speak. It's a passage where Jesus is speaking and he speaks to you today. So I want us to hear, I want us to see, I want us to receive, and those things are what we're going to look at. First, we're going to see, do you hear? Do you hear? So this is John chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 25. I want you to hear. Here we go. Verse 25. Truly, truly, this is Jesus when he starts with truly. Well, before we even start, the curtain's already up, you guys. There's not a new curtain today. We say, okay, new scene. No, it's flat on the scene of what he's already done, which is healing on the Sabbath. People are questioning him. They think he's not really from God. And we're breaking right in with whatever he says, truly, truly, it's super important. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. I love this verse. It's amazing, right? So he says, the dead, you know who he's looking at? He's looking at you. He's looking at the people around him who are dead. And he says those dead, and and in the voice of the Son of God, that means his voice, right? Because he's the Son of God. That's the voice of Jesus. This is so radical. Because think with me what he's actually saying. A sound gets to your ears with meaning, and the idea is if you have no life, the words of Jesus make life. It's not telling you how to live. It's not improving your life. They make life. Life itself. And so the question is how? 
How can this be? For, he says, as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Well, the how, right? That's the how. That the, the God the Father has given this to the Son. This entire thing is about gifts and receiving and granting. The Father gifted the Son to have life in him, to have the authority to judge. It's, it's interesting that this authority now is, I want you to hear the voice of the Son of God. And he's got authority because he's the Son of Man. And these are deep titles that stretch into the Old Testament. And the Son of Man, the true man, Jesus, fully human. Authority in life because the Father gave it to him and only him. This is amazing stuff. I mean, does Jesus really just with his words make life and have they fallen on your ears? I mean, I... And is that really true? I feel alive all the time. In fact, there are many people who are alive right now who totally reject Jesus. We define life as conception in the womb. And well, How do I get this? Well, look at the example that he gives. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Okay, this is Jesus speaking. This is an example, not just now that my words create life, but look, in the future, this is what's going to happen. The word of Christ, the, the sound that they will hear, it will raise all the dead. Some to life, some to judgment. That's what he says, right? It's interesting, the contrast isn't some to life and some to death. You should start going, okay, there's something deep going on here. Because it's not like Jesus gives life and otherwise you're dead. There's, there's Everybody's raising and some are going to life and some are going to judgment. So these ones going to life aren't going to judgment. I mean, in some visceral way, I get that. I, I don't know about you, but I know how I was my first prayer to ask Jesus into my life. I was alone at night. I was a kid. It was, I had, I, I knew the reality of hell and I, I was convicted. I was going there. I wanted to escape judgment. And this was the escape, right? Because I knew I deserved it. And, and so, so Jesus is saying resurrection comes for everybody, but life is existence with God in Christ. And not life is, is this what maybe living death? I don't know how you want to say it, but it's judgment and the judgment we deserve, but there is an escape. Now, how do you escape? This is where you ought to really pay attention. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to judgment. Whoa. This spawns the confusion that rocks the world. Maybe your world. Right? Because because this very thing, it's what the Pharisees who are questioning Jesus, it's what they believe. They believe 
take it off the screen. It's too offensive. They believe. They believe that if they do good things and they follow the law and they do all the things they should do, that they will be resurrected to life, be a good Jew. And, 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 and then if you don't, if you're one of these pagan guys over here, you're going to death. They would say, Amen. And Jesus is standing here telling them, Wait, do you hear me? Look what he said in Matthew 7 about this resurrection. Just just think. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Whoa. This is remarkable. There are many people doing great works for Jesus. That's what it says, right? That's what they think. Calling him Lord, Lord, Lord. Look what I've done for Jesus. And this is not the way. This is not doing good. So this radical new idea for <laughs> that, that doing good isn't based on giving God glory through your good deeds. Because that's how I want to insert this into the text. It makes sense to me. I need to give God glory. I'm going to make sure I get the bucket full so I can present to God the bucket of glory that He deserves. And He does deserve it. This is something different. To be good means you have life. How do you get life? You hear Jesus. Right? Hearing his voice. Only he has life. This means trusting him. Now, now not be a good person. Not doing good as now reestablished. And, and you go, okay, I hear you saying that, Dax. And I can even see kind of a little bit what might be head. But, but I don't really believe that, you see. Stay with me. Actually, don't stay with me. Stay with Jesus. Because it's not just... What you hear? Jesus is like, wait, what, what do you see in here? What do you see? Because it keeps going. This is all one little message from Christ to us. I can do nothing, Jesus says in verse 30, on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, so... So you're getting the picture, right? Jesus says that he's the judge and nobody else. He's going to decide and nobody and nothing else about your future. Right? That's what he's saying. How can we be sure? Well, Jesus says, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. That's a common Jewish thing. You need at least two people to bear witness, testify about the truth of what you're saying. So Jesus says that's that's the kind of the standard. There's another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony he bears about me is true. I know somebody else who's testified about me. Who might that be? 
I, I, I don't know. Who would be really like just the Pharisees and the scribes and the Jewish I mean, they're serious religious people and they're listening. It's like, who's testifying about Jesus? What's the testimony? Who is it, this, this great testifier of Jesus? Who would convince them? I mean, the whole idea I have, I hope you have it too, is that Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's anything he says is totally true. He doesn't need anybody to te- God, the Father, doesn't need anyone to testify about him. Like, somehow there's somebody else who would say, oh yeah, what he says is right. Go with him. He doesn't need to do that. But he willingly condescends. Radical humility. Radical love. To you and to me. To love us by pointing to other witnesses. He says, he says in verse 33, you, you sent to John. Oh, my mind goes, maybe, maybe it means John. You sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so you may be saved. Well, John the Baptist did testify about me. We've heard that testimony already in John, right? He must increase and I must decrease. The, the heaven splitting open and the, the spirit descending on this, the, the son and the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I will plead. And you get this whole thing where John, John got it. And Anybody that points to Jesus is light. This is what it means to be a light on the hill. We're pointing to our only hope and salvation is this son of God, son of man, Jesus. That's why Jesus says he was a light, a burning and a shining lamp. You were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. It wasn't that he was saying, hey, be better, be good. Don't go. He was saying, no, no, no. The, the thing that he's pulling out is he's pointing to Jesus. And, and, and so, so if John's a, a burning and burning lamp, Jesus is the sun. Right? The testimony I have, Jesus says, is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. This is so cool. Look at what Jesus is doing. He says, you can just look at what I do. Think about what they knew about what he did. The, the best statement we have is from, is from Luke 7 where he's talking to John the Baptist, which was very early in his ministry. It's about the time that this happened, just before John went and was imprisoned and then was beheaded. He answered, he said to them, Go report to John, he means John the Baptist, what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached. Hey, look at these things. Jesus does them. He's worthy of being believed. Yeah, you know, oh, that's great. I should do that more often. The, the, the guy in the camel hair and eating a locust, you know, you might have a tough time believing him. But okay, look at this. I mean, I, the blind people are seeing and lepers are healed and I look at what amazing things are going. God is on the move. That's why he says, and the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you've never heard. His form you've never seen. And you don't have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. Everything is about this. 
God the Father bears witness. All creation bears witness, but we don't hear it. We can't see him. We don't have his word in us. Well, why not? Because we don't believe the one he sent, like, like them. Okay, all this pushes and pushes and pushes. Say, well, okay, I need to believe Jesus. I do. Well, what is it I'm believing? Yeah, it's about what are you receiving. This is your life, dear precious people. Okay. I wish I didn't have that limitation. But I have trouble breathing. Because this is the core of it, right? Because there's this idol that people set up. I think maybe you've set up an idol. I have at different points in my life. People like you and me, people who particularly have interest in God and his ways, who are these people Jesus is talking to. And, and it's, it's this idol that's, this is the idol. It's the Bible. Now, before you throw rotten eggs at me, for not wearing my master first, and then because I said the Bible can be an idol. It's how you want to read the Bible. It's what you want to find in this Bible. Watch out, oh dear ones. And track with me. We want to find out how to be good in the Bible. We want to find out how to do right in the Bible. We so that God will be pleased with us, so that God will be glorified by us. You search the scriptures, Jesus says, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Do you, do you see? I search the scriptures. Why? Because I'm going to find out all the ways that I'm going to, I'm going to get there. Hey, Jesus is setting up two ways of approaching God. Not four. Right? That's what you search the scriptures is to read the Bible to accomplish and give God glory. Or, or we're talking about coming to Jesus and receiving from him, receiving him. And the very ones who search the scriptures are so often not the ones coming to him. Well, I'm just studying how to, how to bring God glory. No, stop. Stop. No, you're not. Why not? Because of this, I do not receive glory from anyone. What does that mean? It means he doesn't receive glory from you. God, Jesus, doesn't receive glory from people. Whoa. Yeah, I receive glory from him. I'll tell you, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I want to give him glory. I want to, I, I want to show him the wonder of the glory that I'm going to give him. And I do glorify God with my body. I glorify him because of my own heart. I want to lift him high. But i got to realize my primary way of glorifying him is that I come and receive. That, that's what Jesus is telling us. He says, I know you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? This is the amazing thing. You don't have anything within you that scripture guides you so that you're better. 
No, no, it's you over here and Jesus over there. And the, the interesting thing is, will you come? Will you hear? You have no hope. You have no hope except the Son of God has come and He offers you free and full salvation. The glory that comes from God is Christ alone. You say, well, well, that's well, well. But I want to do things in His name. He'll do things in His name. He might even use you. That's why it talks about fruit and the fruit bearing that you have. You're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit of Dax that he's going to give to Jesus. Like, I grew some great apples for you, Jesus. Let me give them to you. Like, they're mine. Are you kidding? If I have anything good in me, who did it? You can give me the Sunday school answer. It's okay. Jesus. Jesus, he does stuff in me. What do I do? I hear. What do I read the, the scriptures for? Ah. I'm not saying don't read your Bible. I'm saying read your Bible all the time. And do what? Find Jesus. Right? Receive the glory from God. See the two ways. One scripture is law to view of scriptures, law to drive you to improve and self-improve and earn good things and glorify God. The second sees scripture as law to drive you to Christ, the gospel, to receive life from his lips. It isn't Jesus who's accusing you and me. Because Jesus says, I don't accuse and I don't condemn. Look at what he says. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. I'm not going to accuse you. There is one who accuses you. Moses. On whom you have set your hope. This, if you go back and you go back up to verse 31, and then you look and you go at verse 38, go through it on your own. I'm not going to take the time. We don't have time. But he's talking about there's one out there, you know, who testifies of me. And he's, he, what he's really saying when he does that, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is saying, you know who really testifies of me? The very one you put your hope in. The one, the giver of the law, the writer of the Torah, Moses. Whoa. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So, so he says, I, I don't accuse you, another one does. And you're like, whoa, this is the one, the one who testifies to Jesus. Who is he? Moses, that's the one who we think gave the instructions for living so God would be happy with us. And so we go and we take the Ten Commandments and we say, okay, if I can just do these, this is what God's given so that he'll be happy with me. And then, and, and, and then that's how I take Moses, is that that, that, that story is about that. And Jesus says, wait a minute, he's not talking about that. He wants you to get me. He accuses you. Why? Because the law always does. If you actually believed Moses, you'd be hanging on my every word, Jesus says, because he wrote of me. Where? The seed that would crush the serpent. The mercy of God choosing Abraham and promising him a seed that would be on the throne forever. The lamb provided to Isaac to take his place when he was going to die. The, the grace for that trickster Jacob. The, the salvation through one man, Joseph. God freeing his people from Egypt, the Passover lamb and the blood that would take away the sin and preserve the life of the firstborn. 
the rock that gives water, the manna from heaven, bread unearned, the sacrifices and the, the day of atonement where the sin was placed on one and let out over and over and over and over. The Torah says you can't. But God, who has mercy because of his great love for you, grace. Your hope arrives, you know. And you want to continue to think that the law is what keeps you? That's the Pharisees. They can't hear the good news. They can't receive the gift because they will not receive at all. Jesus speaks to you today. We got to be done. He is the good news. He himself is the gospel. He speaks life. And you and me, by simply trusting him, we're free by receiving him. But so many instead continue, after saying that they are for Jesus, continue to not see him in the scriptures. The law is wonderful and it accuses you. So that you must receive the gospel, your only hope, this is Jesus himself. This other side, this way, is a way of judgment and death to use the law to accomplish, to think it's your way to give glory to God like you can. Do not see the law as a friend and a guide to help you on the way to Jesus. Not by helping you do better. It does help you on the way to Jesus by cutting you off at the knees with a baseball bat. You can't be good. You can't be better. You can't get higher. You can't conquer your evil and stand. If you do, you're saying, Lord, Lord, and you may do great works in his name, but you haven't heard the news. The law accuses to kill you always. And in humility, our hope is to look to the lifted up serpent and live. To him be the glory. Okay, I, 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 I got to tell this one story from somebody else to end, to close. Because this is, it's like this, this man writes, who I, I like. It's another last judgment scene. If you will, you, the unrighteous person, will appear before the throne of judgment. And the Lord will ask you, beloved, have you done any good works? And you'll say, yes, sir. Many, I made sure of it. And you'll say, what are they? And you'll say, look, I wrote them all down for you. I've compiled a list so that I can prove to you that I get things done. And behind you, you'll be dragging on a great iron chain, the largest, heaviest book that anyone has ever seen. And he'll open the book and he'll look at your ridiculous, obsessive, utterly selfish accounting of yourself and say, oh my, no, this won't do at all. This is all wrong. I'm not interested in any of this. Get it out of here. That'll be the end of that. But then somehow you, the righteous person, will appear before the throne of judgment and the Lord will ask you, Beloved, have you done any good works? And you'll say, Yes, sir, many. I'm certain of it. And he'll say, What are they? And you'll say, I don't have the faintest idea. But you said they'd be there. And I'm sure I did some. Because you've never lied about anything. And he'll laugh and he'll say, that's exactly right. Now come, my beloved, let me show you how things really are. I'm telling you, you don't see how things really are. We've got to trust the Savior of the world. And he became flesh and he speaks to you. Let's pray.